Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. We're doing things a little different this week. This week, I have a co-host with me. Our newest, I don't know, what shall we call you? Our staff writer? Um, our newest uh, staff writer? Um, that works. Okay. Or writer? Or just... <laughs> Regardless <laughs> well, of what we'll we call you... We'll figure something out, yes. <laughs> I have the extremely talented Steve Bertel joining me today as my co-host. Steve, thank you for joining me. Oh, you bet. And joining Steve and I today is Reverend Bill Roscoe, who is the president and CEO of the Boise Rescue Mission, who has graciously shared much of his personal testimony in our current November-December 2021 edition of Christian Living Magazine, which was penned by none other than my co-host today. Bill, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Sandy, and thank you for the a great picture on the cover of Christian Living Magazine. It's uh, I, I don't know how you got me to look that good, but I appreciate that a lot, and uh, always appreciate how much you do for the rescue mission and getting the word out, keeping our name in front of people, and even today getting us on the air again. Thanks so much for that. You are always welcome. It's it's our pleasure. I have to give credit, though. We did not take that photo. That came from one of your staff members. Oh, well, you see, I pay them to tune up the pictures and make me look good. So They, they did a great job. That's a beautiful photo. We, we just don't get credit this time. So there's so much we could talk about um, today. Um, thank you, first of all, for sharing your story with our readers. Um, recently, the three of us were mm-hmm. at a luncheon and someone at that luncheon came up to me who had read your your story and thanked me. And I, I think they used the words gritty and maybe even a little raw. Um, you were absolutely transparent. And I know your story or a lot of it because we've talked so, so many times. And it, your story is very moving. While we... We don't want to just reiterate the story. We want people to pick up the magazine and read it. And no no need in duplicating our airtime with that. But Steve, is there anything that you've thought about since that initial interview that you would like to ask the good the, reverend? The one thing when, when Bill and I talked and when I wrote the article, the one thing that kind of jumped out at me was uh, how you initially came to know the Lord. And it was actually, and again, I don't want to give away too much of the article, but it was actually through a best-selling novel. Tell, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, I, I was uh, fresh home from the Army in Vietnam and, and married. And had We had two babies right away, back-to-back. And I've always been an avid reader. I, I give my father the credit for having us, inspiring us to read. Uh, I read The Exorcist, and it was before the movie. You know, it was the book. And I read the whole thing in just a few days because I was captivated by it. And it really rattled me because, you know, being raised in a, in a home where church was kind of secondary to life. We, we didn't go to church, you know, once in a while. Um, my folks didn't go hardly ever. And uh, then having life experiences that I had, uh, I, I believed in the devil. I'll just say that. I knew there was a devil. And I believed that... Uh, he had power, and I felt like maybe I and the whole world was under control of the devil. 
So I got really concerned about our two babies because, of course, the story in The Exorcist, the child gets possessed by the devil. So I started thinking, well, what can I do about that? You know, I didn't know what to do about that. But my mom and stepdad had started going to church. And uh, so I called my mother and uh, I said, you know, I'm really wanting to find out how to get my children baptized. My wife is raised a Catholic, and she said, that's what we need to do. But she doesn't want to go to the Catholic Church, so you know, you're going to church. Can you help me out? Oh, yes, she said, my minister would love to talk to you. <laughs> and he did want to talk to me. And he, uh, he came to our home uh, by invitation. He came to meet with us, and we had selected godparents and all the Catholic traditional things. And he was so gracious and such a kind and good man. Immediately, we all liked him. You know, we were nervous. We got a minister coming in the house. What, what's going to happen? The ceiling's going to fall on us. But he was such a great, great fellow, great man of God. And he, he gently, kindly persuaded us about the gospel, persuaded me in particular. I was the first one that, you know, of that group who made a decision to accept Christ in, in, the, in the weeks after that. And our children were dedicated to the Lord there at his church, our church. And then you know what's really interesting, and I didn't talk about this in the article, but of that original group of godparents, uh, two of the fellas in in that group with us became Christians after I did. And I'm not, I, I was out of touch with them by then, but they did accept Christ. And of course, my wife accepted Christ right after I did. So it was a good thing all the way around for the kingdom. That's and amazing. It was a great, it was a, and that church was such a wonderful fellowship under his leadership and a great, a great uh, deacon board and all that, that Christian and Missionary Alliance Church in Petaluma, California discipled us and taught us how to be Christians. And we needed that because when I quit drinking and carousing and all the things that I was doing, I lost all my friends. <laughs> you know, they want to hang around with Roscoe anymore. And I needed new friends, and that church provided that support group, that family that we were a part of immediately. And still are to this day. I still have friends from that original group of Christians. Beautiful thing. Well, God knew that you were an avid reader, so that was his plan to, to get to you. Indeed. And wouldn't you call that scared straight? <laughs> you could, yes, very. <laughs> you could say that. You, you could say that. You know, you know? I was already pretty rattled, and reading that book didn't help. <laughs> there you go. I, I love it. I, I love that. That's a great story. Mm. Um, it's a great truth. I, yeah. you know, sometimes we use the, we kind of throw the word story around, but you know, there are, there are fictional stories and there are factual stories, and that's mm. a factual mm. one. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the rescue mission, sure, because it's that time. It's it's we've had an absolutely gorgeous fall. But the weather is changing. It's getting cold. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about the rescue mission and the needs there. It, I, one of the things that always, because I'm a numbers geek, how many meals a day are you serving? Because uh, I don't think many people in our community realize how many people you feed every day. Well, right now we're, we're still a little below average for this time of year. You know, we, we, our numbers dropped ridiculously during the COVID pandemic. And for a lot of reasons. But right now, uh, our average uh, meal count every day is around 600, right close to that number, a little more, a, little, a few less. The best news that I have about serving people here in the Valley at the Mission is that the Lighthouse Rescue Mission is reopened. And, you know, we closed about a, about a year ago, and, and uh, we had to do that because of a lack of staff. We couldn't staff the place, keep people safe or handle the laundry and the meals and all the services. So we had to close and moved all those men down to Boise uh, to the River of Life mission to serve there. 
And we've tried to fill the gap in Nampa by providing transportation to the rescue mission in Boise and so on. But last Monday, uh, not last Monday, but the 8th of uh, November, we opened again. And we're having limited services there. Uh, the shelter is open 7 o'clock every night. Men can come and check in, have a meal, uh, get a shower, clean change of clothes, pajamas, a clean bed. And then uh, in the morning when they're rousted, they'll get a, at least a continental breakfast. On some days, we have food service staff enough to prepare a breakfast, a hot breakfast. But they'll at least get a continental breakfast and then a sack lunch as they're going out the door. And, of course, we'll have counselors there. And so anyone who comes in that wants to talk with somebody about how do I get out of this rut, we can, we can handle that on the, on the spot. Women and children's ministries have, have uh, come back almost to the normal numbers of people for the year. Uh, the Valley Women and Children's Shelter in Nampa rebounded really quickly after the crisis of pandemic was subsiding, and we still have a pretty full house over there. The Recovery Lodge in Nampa uh, for men, women, and children who are being discharged from the hospital and who aren't physically able to manage life in a big rescue mission dorm environment has been doing well. We closed it during the pandemic, used it for quarantining people with COVID, and then reopened um, probably uh, seven, eight months ago uh, and are receiving guests from the hospitals again that are coming out of the hospital. That's so needed. You know, oh, that, boy. the things that we don't think about, I know last year yeah. I, had, I had just had knee surgery when, when we met, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine trying to recover from that on the street as a homeless or, or, or even in the big in a big dorm. dormitory yeah so well we're grateful again to the most generous community on the face of the earth that makes it all possible you know we don't receive any government money even through the pandemic when there was a lot of government money flying around and it, you know it always looks good sitting over there you think well maybe no we've never taken government money we depend on the people we depend on god and this community has been with us for 63 years now so we're really, really grateful and, and thankful for the people here that support us. I think one of the things that, that people sometimes forget, but we, we also need to really pay attention to, because some of those government funds that everybody has taken advantage of, but, but the rescue mission, um, are about to run out at the end of this year. Homelessness, is, doesn't, just because you're homeless doesn't mean that you're a bum or a deadbeat. It happens to the single mom. Mm-hmm. It happens to so many people. What What is your anticipation mm-hmm. as some of these federal funds and state funds run out the end of this year? How are you guys gearing up for to be prepared for that? Well, that's a very good question and a good point, Sandy, because we really expect to see a lot more people come midwinter and spring uh, next year because of the end of these programs that have kept people in their place to live without their having to pay the rent or even having to pay the mortgage payment. And we're really looking uh, with a little trepidation to the future that we could have a huge influx of people. And as you said, many of these people will, pe- will be folks who have never been homeless before. And frankly, they're, you know, it's a tough thing for them and it's hard for us because the, you know, the whole idea of going to a shelter just rattles their whole world. They're just not up to, they can't even conceive of that. And they come in really afraid and, and anxious and it's, you know, it's hard sometimes to, to really make connections with them because everything is so foreign. But, you know, we have a team of people who are really dedicated and committed to serving. And we have a lot of training and experience behind us now. And we're going to greet folks as best we can. But to answer the question directly, we, are, we have stockpiled uh, food and supplies in our warehouse in Boise. 
And we've done that with that thought in mind that next year we might really need more of this, that, and the other. And at the same time, like everybody else, we're experiencing the supply chain uh, problems. You know, you order something and you don't get it for 10 weeks or a year. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we're geared, we're loaded up and geared up and ready to go. Uh, regardless how many people come through the door, we ought to be able to serve them. We expect that we will. If, if someone is homeless, um, or as Sandy mentioned uh, a moment ago, maybe a single parent with children, uh, maybe someone battling an addiction, uh, and especially people who are outside the area who may not be familiar with the rescue mission, um, I guess, A, how can they connect with the mission? And B, once they walk through the rescue mission's door, be it at whatever facility, what can they expect? Well, uh, they can connect with us by showing up at any one of our five facilities in the Valley, and that information is on the Internet. It's also published in websites for the city and the county, and uh, our website, boiserm.org, of course, is loaded with information. So they can simply show up at a facility and, uh, and, and find out about what we have to offer. And when they do, um, they're going to find that we are people who care about people primarily, you know, we're we're not going to be judgmental. We're not we're not uh, we're not going to interrogate anyone about well, why are you homeless and why are you here. The first thing we want to do is establish a rapport and 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 express our friendship and and Christian love for everybody. So we really try to do that right from the first encounter, and then there will be an intake process. Usually, it's it might be the same day that they first first arrive at the mission, or it'll be the next day. But they'll sit down with one of our case managers and talk about life, what's going on, how did you get here, how can we help you, what, what do you think you need to recover from homelessness. So we start with that question and those points. And from there then, our case managers can help the guest to determine what course of action they should take, whether that includes participation in one of our programs in our own house or if it means connecting them with another agency in the Valley who can really help them with that particular need. And the good news is uh, there's a great spirit of cooperation here in the nonprofit world and with public agencies so that when my staff picks up the phone and calls health and welfare, they get answers, uh, children's protective services, adult services, uh, veterans court, all of the specialty courts. We're connected to everybody, and everybody is ready, willing, and able to cooperate to help people uh, recover from homelessness. So that's, that's how the process works. And you're going to find a safe, clean environment. You're going to find really good meals that anyone here would be happy to have lunch or dinner with us. Uh, you're going to find, uh, if you need clothing and things for your children, diapers and those personal items that people need, we have all of that on hand. And immediately you'll be, you'll be, in, you'll be led down the hallway and shown where these things are and who to talk to and uh, how to get the needs met that you have. That's, that brings up a great point because as I was preparing for today, was on your, I was on your website, and you have a list of current needs. And some of those were a little bit sobering. <laughs> um, the, you know, the grandma in me, my heart broke when I saw children's snow boots. Yeah. You know, again, those of well, us who've never experienced homelessness don't, don't think about those things. Well, you don't. And, and thanks for mentioning that, Sandy, because the seasons are changing, and winter clothing is a premium right now. And little kids' uh, clothing, including boots and shoes, as well as the uh, old fellow like myself who might show up this evening and need boots and shoes. All of that's necessary. And, and a quick story, we had, a, we had a family show up one Christmas Eve 
to drop off some gifts that had been prearranged for some guests at the rescue mission. And as they were talking and getting a receipt from my clerk at the desk at City Light, uh, the, there was a little boy in that family, and uh, the, the girl on the desk asked the family, did you happen to have any sh- children's shoes in these gifts? And she said, the mom said, no, we didn't. Oh, that's too bad. We just had a lady come in tonight, and she's fleeing domestic violence, and she brought her little boy with her, and he doesn't have shoes. He came in in his socks, and we didn't have any in the clothing room at the moment. And the the little boy in that family overheard this conversation, and he said, well, how old is this little boy? And she said, well, he's about your age, about your size. And he sat down on the floor, and he took off his shoes, and he put them up on the counter. And he said, I have more at home. Give these to that little boy. And that story just obviously stays in my brain forever and ever and in my heart. That's the kind of compassion that we see and the generosity that we see from this whole community. But the truth of the matter is we we had a lady show up with a broken arm fleeing a domestic violence situation uh, with the clothes on her back and a baby in the other arm. Uh, we, We see things like that all the time, and we need all the help we can get to meet those needs. You mentioned in the magazine that that when you were interviewing for the job, if that's the proper term, yep, for the for the the position you hold now, president and CEO of the rescue mission, that you were not only impressed with the area, but you were all the Boise area, but you were also impressed with the generosity of the community. Uh, and given the fact that we're getting into the season of giving, how can people volunteer either? in person or donate clothes or donate funds? How, how can they go about doing that? Well, the best and easiest way to do that, Steve, is to go to the website, boiserm, for rescue mission, dot org, And on that website, you'll find links to everything that we do, all of the needs that we have, as Sandy mentioned, and how to contact us and how to get a hold of us. And I want to say there's a lot of new people in the Valley. If you've never been by the rescue mission, I really encourage you to get online and make a connection with us and come down and have a look for yourself. You know, come and see the facilities, tour the facilities. Uh, We're taking all the precautions for COVID. People can wear a mask and and we have hand sanitizer on every wall hanging there. So I encourage people to come down and have a look for themselves and see where your investment is going to be at work and meet the people who are doing the work. It's a great friendly environment and uh, everyone would be pleased to be there. So uh, volunteering, right now the holidays are coming. We're going back to having sit-down meals. Thank you, Jesus. We missed it so much last year when we had to do the drive-through thing, but we did it and people were served. But this year we're back to uh, having the sit-down meals. We're going to have the first one on the 20th at the uh, Cathedral of the Rockies here in uh, in, uh, I'm sorry, the first one, the 20th, is at College Church of the Nazarene in Nampa. I was going to say, wait a minute, yeah. like, that's, that's, that's Nampa. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we're going to be at Nampa on the 20th, and it starts 11 o'clock in the morning, and we'll serve a lot of people meals. We'll have a great time, great music. Dave Ferdinand will be there with the guitar. My and, family and I will be there serving. And we there can't you wait. go. And we'll, it's an annual well, tradition as, for us. As will my wife and I. We'll See? Get, and, we'll, and we've served before at the rescue mission. Sure. Uh, I think it was a couple Christmases. Ago. Well, and we'll and do it's the such same. a rewarding experience. Well, thank you, and it is. I just love these holiday events. And then on the day before Thanksgiving this year, that's the twenty fourth, we'll be at the Cathedral of the Rockies in Boise, and we'll have our great uh, celebration and Thanksgiving meals and food boxes and turkeys for all the folks who come. It'll be a beautiful thing. So if you want to volunteer for that, you better hurry up and get down boiserm.org and sign up because the slots are filling up. 
there's also other opportunities. I know I know our church um, has a, a Saturday morning women's ministry that they go down and they serve at City Light on sa- several Saturday mornings a month. Mm-hmm. And so there are other opportunities too. It's not just it's oh, not just the once or twice a year. Um, there's so many opportunities. I have to say, the first time I took a tour of the rescue mission facilities, um, it was it was with a group that I was a part of. And the thing that shocked me, surprised me, shouldn't say shocked me because that, yeah, anyway, surprised me, was it wasn't the grungy, old, dirty mission that I expected. It was clean and well-maintained. And, um, of course, I'm a woman, so I had more access to the women's shelter than I did the men's shelter, per se, and the beautiful quilts on the beds. And and the very, you, you guys make every effort to make it as homey and welcoming as possible. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Sandy, for mentioning that. And it's really a priority with us, cleanliness of the facility. Before COVID, we were really into cleanliness and, you know, getting the laundry done on time. And, there, you know, it's, it, is a, it is a rescue mission, and there's a lot of people coming and going every day, and it's hard to keep up. But my staff does a great, great job in that regard. I would never, ever hesitate to spend the night at the rescue mission. And in fact, over the years, I've had a few of my friends that I asked, please go check in at the rescue mission and then tell me how it went. Just check in as a guest overnight and tell me tomorrow how it went. And they do that. And I get the same report every time it's happened. And a couple of times it happened without my asking. (laughs) And that was even better probably because then people called me or wrote me and said, hey, I checked in just to check you out and your place is okay. (laughs) So that's pretty sweet. It's quite a compliment. And again, you know, uh, it's the generous community, the volunteers. You mentioned it, Sandy. There's, if you have a gift, a talent, or a skill and you need a place to, to use that, we have the place for you. Kids programs, veterans programs, uh, men's services, women and children's services. We have opportunities to serve forever and ever. So come on down and join us and you'll have a great time. Be blessed. And if you can't serve, but you um, want to make a donation of, of goods particularly, because it's easy to donate on your website. Hmm. But if, you, if you've got gently used Children's boots. Or children's boots. <laughs> or, or even if you run a run to the store and buy new, where can people drop those off? Well, again, they can go to any one of the facilities, any Boise Rescue Mission facility. But the easiest and best way for us is if they come to our warehouse on 24th Street in Boise, right off of Fairview, uh, 24th. Come on down there. We have a huge warehouse of staff. They're ready to receive the gifts and write receipts and say thank you very much. I love that. We're we're. We're dwindling down on time here. Can you refresh our memory one last time on your website? BoiseRM.org, and the phone number is 208-343-2389. And thanks very much, Sandy, for having us on today. Thank you so much. And, and Bill, thank you personally for sharing so much of your story because I know, because it impacted me, I know it's going to impact so many readers and um, I just thank you so much. And Steve, thank you. Oh, thank you. For joining in all the fun. Well, we'll have to do this again. We will, <laughs> sooner than you might think. <laughs> this brings our time to an end for this week. If you'd like to read Reverend Bill's story, you can pick up your own copy of Christian Living Magazine in over 600 locations across all of Southern Idaho, or you can read it online at christianlivingmag.com. We do invite you back next week when we hope to have another, oh, we will, we don't hope, we will have another special guest in store for you, someone who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, 
encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout the Treasure and Magic Valleys and in Central Idaho through McCall. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.